welcome everyone to Rock M Radio. Uh, this is a brand new episode of Dive Cuts. I am your host, uh, Sam Snelling. Um, with me on your right, if you're watching us on YouTube, is Matt Watkins. Uh, we're here to talk all about the Missouri Basketball Tigers, even though uh, it's not a super fun subject to talk about these days. Um, we're in the midst of season seven of Dive Cuts. Uh, Dive Cuts has done a very good job of chronicling uh, quite a bit of bad basketball uh, in, in its days. Um, although, like, I, I will stop short of kind of saying that that what we see is a, a bad basketball team. I don't think that they're a bad basketball team. Uh, I think they're a, an incomplete basketball team that has enough good elements to be competitive uh, not enough to win games. Uh, and it's really kind of led us to basically watch the same performance uh, again and again and again and again, where they come out, they you know play competitive basketball. They cannot get it done down the stretch. Uh, what say you, Watkins? Um, welcome to the pod, by the way. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's been a couple weeks. I think the last time I was on, it was uh, the two mats. So it's been a been a while since the two of us have been on. But uh, yeah, I, you know, when you're when you're talking about the basketball team just now, I was thinking about the uh, the horse meme, the drawing of the horse. Have you ever seen that? Where it's like beautiful, and then it just kind of gets pr- progressively worse. And I kind of think of that as how the games go for Mizzou right now. Mm-hmm. It may not be perfectly linear, but you know, with eight, 10 minutes left in a game, every game you're thinking, oh, Mizzou's looking pretty good. They're going toe-to-toe with whoever the opponent is. And then the last eight to 10 minutes are just, it's the same thing over and over again. And there's different reasons game to game why it falls apart, but it falls apart. So, you know. <laughs> it's always something. Um, yeah, so, so my kind of like working theory um you know, and I've written about this in study hall a couple times is basically like, and this reminds me honestly, like of, of some of, you know, like Consul Martin's teams, um, you know, particularly in, in their, in the second year there where, um, you know, where they lost Jonte Porter. And then again, uh, not so much as last year, cause that was a bad team. Um, but in year three, uh, where they just had some kind of rough injury luck, um, you know, but I, I, I feel like, in order for this team to win, it needs like positive performances from four guys. And, uh, you know, it's Sean East, Tamar Bates, uh, Noah Carter, and Nick Honor. And they have not gotten like four quality games from all those guys at the same time in a while. Uh, there are games where Noah Carter plays well, and then Nick Honor doesn't. Um, Sean East had a couple games where he was struggling. Tamar Bates has clearly been the breakout guy recently. He's not the problem. So it really kind of comes down to these other three guys, uh, and they just can't get on the same page. And like we're all going to play well in this game, uh, and and that's going to you know be enough for them to to win because you know at this point like. Uh, and pointing out like the luck factor with uh, with Ken Pomeroy and and I don't know if you read most recent study hall, but I I checked <laughs> it up. They're like three hundred and fifty eighth or something like that in, in luck. Last year they were tenth. And I mean, we can explain that you know a little bit. It doesn't necessarily mean that like 
you know, you can't calculate luck. What it is, right. is, you know, like, uh, it's sort of like how you measure against the predicted record, you know, cause mm -hmm. you have a 58% chance to win a game, uh, you know, a 42% chance to lose. How often are, are those results, you know, evening out? And if they're, if they're even the model is predicting your record correctly, your luck is even. If you're over like Missouri was last year, they were, you know, three or four wins in the plus column. Um, you know, so their luck was really good this year. Their luck is really bad. Uh, and you know, like I think it basically just kind of comes down to those four guys, just not really, uh, being able to be in sync all at the same time. Yeah. And to kind of put a point on that, the, regarding the luck factor, if you, if you were to look at Pomeroy's rating of Mizzou going into each of the last seven games, it's basically been unchanged. You know, they're, they're sitting at the <clears throat> somewhere between 100 and 115, 100 and 115th in the country. Um, you know, and you lose and you don't move, you, you lose, you don't move it. And the thing is, is like, you look at what the, expectation is as you've mentioned but it's also about the how close the games were you know and when you look at the overall record the teams with worse luck have performed better than their record according to the model and the teams with the best luck at the top of the rankings have um you know they're getting more wins than expected that's basically yeah. how you look at it and it's like you Ole know, Miss and South Carolina are two teams that are in the top 25 of luck factor and Mizzou and was incredibly high last year because they won all of these close games and the games they lost were blowouts. Um, yeah. But to the point as to why, I mean, we wrote about this early, even before the season started, that this was a pretty, the, the margins were thin. It was doable with the roster that they had um, put together. But if even with a full roster, if any of those pieces weren't working as expected, the margins were so thin that you could see how this goes south. Um, but now that, you know, even our, in the latest game Saturday, they were missing John Tanja, Caleb Grill, Trent Pierce, Anthony Robinson, and of course, Caleb Brown's been out all year. Um, <clears throat> so when you, when you already have a fine margin and you start taking pretty big chunks of that away, you've got two possible starters you've got two rotation players and you remove them from the equation that puts a lot more pressure on guys that can't really handle that pressure statistically um to make up for the deficits and you know sean east and tamar bates have been frankly incredible much better than i would have expected them to be but even then that's still not enough because you've taken away so much and that's just to be uh you know uh nit 20 win level team um, and what we're seeing now is just falling short of that. And for the same reasons, day in, day out, and that's why they sit at 0-7. It's not exciting. No one wants to hear it, but that's just the fact of the matter. You know, they're, the pieces are performing about the level that you'd expect them to based on what's available, available to be on the floor, you know. Well, so last week, uh, now that we <clears throat> kind of had a general recap, um, you know, clearly they lost both their games last week. Um, the first loss was to Texas A&M and, you know, that game was 
a little unusual for um, you know for some of these Missouri games because you know like their defensive game plan, which is something I think we could all kind of quibble with at a time here mm-hmm. and there. Um, but they they had a really terrific defensive game plan. Uh, the approach of you know switching to a one three one zone, really taking away uh, you know A and M's advantages uh, as far you know like in in you know some of their ball screen coverages, which, you know, they, they like to really run a lot of ball screens. They would like to get uh, Wade Taylor going downhill, um, you know, try to get the ball in his hands a lot. And and basically switching to a zone kind of removes that. Uh, the problem, though, is, is A&M is also a really tough physical defensive team. Uh, and Missouri could not uh, do the important part of basketball, which is make any shots. Uh, they only scored 57 points uh, in what was – uh, not was it? Yeah, not the lowest output of the year, guys. That was against Memphis. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the lowest in SEC play by by a good margin. Um, and overall, it was just like it, it. It really like it felt like they had so many opportunities, and I you know I feel like this is where we kind of get into uh, you know like I, I I put in the deck a study hall today like well it's Groundhog Day. Again, um, you know, because there's like every game, like the script is different, but like as far as uh, how you arrive at the you finished product is the same, though, right? You know, so like how they lose is different each time, um, but the method, the way that they do seems to be the same every time. Yeah. No, there's a lot of truth to that. You know, it's with Mizzou on uh, last Tuesday, they they got off to, what, a 10-point lead and then ended up giving up like a 25-2 to two run or something like that over the course of 15, 10, 15 minutes where Mizzou just couldn't score. Um, you know, it was it was frustrating, and then Mizzou kind of pulls it, pulls it back in before halftime, goes on a little run, keeps it close through the 10-minute mark, and then, you know, they just they don't have the juice to get it done. Um, and as to your point on the defensive game plan, I thought it was very intelligent. You know, someone who watched it may say, well, they gave up a bunch of open threes. Well, that's exactly what you want to do against AM, a team that shoots something like 26%, bottom yeah. of 10 or 15 in the country. You know, yielding open shots to that team is is not bad defense taking away well, you, yielding also to, to the right guys too you know like you know right. uh, taylor is a guy who's going to shoot the ball a lot um you know but he wasn't getting a lot of open clean looks mm-hmm. um you know like it was jace carter uh oh anderson garcia you know Red, those guys want to shoot a, had, a few sh- had, had a few shots too but was not not connecting so that's something i think you'll live with compared to yeah. what he could be doing. <clears throat> so, you know, that's uh, the 23 to 2 by the way say. was the was the run. What was that? 23 to 2 was the run. Close. I said yeah, they, they came they came out it was 13 to 4. And from there it was a 23 to 2 run. So it was 27 to uh 15 from 13 to 4. Not good. Yeah, that's uh, you know, but yeah, again, to the, to their credit, they they find a way. And I think like part of this is, 
you know, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about a little bit at the jump, which is, you know, needing those four guys, uh, but you can't play them every minute. I mean, Dennis Gates has tried uh, to play them as much as possible, but when you, you know, when you take guys out, you know, and, and, you know, sometimes we'll look up and the lineup is like, you know, like Nick honor and Ant Robinson and like Kurt Lewis and like Aiden Shaw. And you're like, uh, who, who is going to shoot the ball? <laughs> like, like, but we, like, this is part of the problem is, you know, that without Tanji and without grill, like, you know, guys who are expected to be sort of fixtures of the offense, you know, instead of having like six, maybe seven guys who, uh, who you could, you know, count on for offense, you're, you're really down to, you know, less than a starting five. Yeah. No, it's, it's been a problem, you know, and we saw that even jumping ahead to last Saturday um, with even more absences, you, you question the lineups, but you realize he's Dennis Gates is playing nine players and there's no one else. You know, that's, that's the allotment of players that he has on the bench. So. Well, we could talk about, you know, a little bit more about the South Carolina game, you know, that is a little bit fresher on the mind. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like I, I still don't think South Carolina is all that good. Um, They've got some guys who can make threes. Uh, You know, the thing that, Paris has done well. And this is also what, you know, what Dennis Gates did a lot last year is he's forced teams into playing the game that he wants to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, we said that, you know, after their, their first matchup in Columbia, that it was, it was South Carolina's pace. Uh, it was how that they wanted to play. It was disjointed. Um, there was very little flow and they're comfortable playing that style. Um, that's a, that's a very Wisconsin trait. Uh, mm-hmm. as, as I would say, and it's, and, you know, program that you're fairly familiar with. What is it? Your, your in-laws are all Wisconsin grads. I'm uh, very familiar with their game. And, and overexposure <laughs> to Badger basketball, if you ask me. Um, you know, but, but there is, you can see so much of like, you know, that lineage in, mm-hmm. in South Carolina and how they play. Uh, you know, and, and much like the Badgers really like, they just, they seem at this year, they seem to be making all the key shots. Uh, they did it, you know, in Columbia, Missouri, and then they did it in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, and certainly, you know, it's, it's one of the ways that they beat, you know, Kentucky. I mean, I guess at some point I'm going to have to become a believer uh, because they're, what are they like five and two in the league now? But, you know, two of those wins are, against uh missouri and uh they lost to georgia at home um they got blown out by alabama mm-hmm. so i don't like I, mean, I, I don't know it, it's tough for me because like you know i <laughs> i think all, all the people who are picking them 14th had very valid reasons for picking mm-hmm. them last including you know me who who picked them 14th and i think you did too i probably just did yeah, like you just look at the roster and like, I mean, you can see them not being 14th. They weren't 14th last year, but a lot in the same way that like, 
you know, Kim Anderson's Missouri teams, you know, like maybe they finished 13th, but they were still the worst team. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, like, you know, at this point, I think it's clear that they're not the worst team. Vanderbilt's the worst team. Uh, Missouri and Arkansas are in the bottom with them. Um, you know, but it's, it's still like, you know, like Talon Cooper was point guard for a, a bad gopher team last year. And, uh, you know, BJ Mack was leading score on a pretty mid Wofford team, like mm-hmm. not even like a good Wofford team. Like Wofford last year was like kind of mediocre. Um, I mean, it's helped that Michi Johnson is, is, has broken out, but, um, you know, like you're, you're rolling out, uh, you know, starting five, Aziz Carolaro Martin, uh, you know, Jordan Butler. These are guys that, like nobody before the season pr- predicted those two guys were going to be in Missouri's top eight. Here they are starting a road game in, uh, in the end of January. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with South Carolina, I, I will give them a little bit more credit. I don't, I think their ceiling is relatively low, but they're a well-coached team. They do an incredible job of, pulling teams into the style of play that they want to do, which is a true and tr- tried and true Wisconsin trait. You know, they, they're going to control the tempo. And if they control the tempo, they're going to drag you down and beat you. You know, that's, yeah. that's just what they do. Um, they're a solid defensive half court defensive team. You know, they, they know what they're doing. They, they control the gaps. Well, um, you know, and one thing I'll, I'll point out is I was looking over the numbers, and if I'm remembering them right, I think Mizzou on Saturday had 20 points in transition, and South Carolina had zero. I know South Carolina had zero. They just – it's not their game. You know, that's not what they're trying to do. Um, and Mizzou performed pretty well in that category. You know, you take 20 points in transition on, I think it was 12, 14 – possessions that you you would love to have that that's something that's been lacking and with Mizzou but you know that's just how much better South Carolina was in the half court game than Mizzou was um you know and that's that's what they want to do that's that's their MO and they shot the ball really well they hit some really tough contested shots they hit some open shots you know and that that was the ball game I think at one point Mizzou was getting outscored 30 to 6 behind the three-point arc you know, you, you can't really overcome that if you're not elite at other things. Players not named Michi Johnson were uh, were 10 of 18 from three-point range. Uh, that's a that's a good marker. Michi was 0 for 7. Um, you know, I think that that's also kind of like a frustrating part is, you know, like you kind of talk about uh, – some of the, the luck factors like, you know, like part of getting lucky is really, you know, South Carolina's best player having a bad night, you know, mm-hmm. shooting the basketball and they got it. The only problem was nobody else did. Yeah. Uh, Talon Cooper was two for three. Uh, BJ Mack was two of five. Zach Davis, two of four. Jacoby Wright, two of four. And Morris Ugasuk. <laughs> A freshman from, uh, I want to say like the Netherlands or Norway. Um, he was uh, he was two for two. It's a Just, strong yeah. Scandinavian name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I yeah, have no idea. Uh, <laughs> you what? I said I have no idea if it is or not. I would suspect not, but I could be wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, he no, he is not uh, Finland. So he's from Finland. Okay. Um, I believe his parents uh, uh, immigrated um, from uh, somewhere in, in, in Africa. Um, but yeah, so but he 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 plays on like their uh, their junior uh, you know national team. Yeah, like he he looks like a, a prospect. I think he's got some upside. I, I remember doing the you know the preview, and we're getting a little sidetracked here. I'll I'll bring it back quickly. Um, but I, like doing the preview for South Carolina, you know, like I like to watch video on on all the newcomers. Um, and I was I I liked him. Like I mm -hmm. you know I didn't think he was a good guy who was going to step in and like start. Um, you know, but if you're looking for you know a guy with skill who has good size, um, you know he's he shoots the ball well, clearly. Um, I, you know, I think that's a, that's a player that, you know, you, you hope you can kind of get to stick around and, and, you know, after a couple of years, like you probably have your starting point guard. Um, but, uh, it's unfortunate that, uh, I think Miles Studi, uh, is a little banged up and, and was sitting out. And so, uh, Morris got some, some PT and he came in and, and of course didn't miss a shot. Which you know, it, that would have been helpful. It probably would have uh, helped Missouri's <laughs> chances if the the Finnish fresh freshman uh, maybe missed a couple shots. Um, is there so it goes. Give it, yeah, that's like you know, <laughs> this is life for this team. Uh, but you know, they were also without uh, Trent Pierce and, and Anthony Robinson. You know, the bench was shortened. Um, you know, Kurt Lewis, a guy who really has not uh, helped them much at all uh, since SEC plays hit, you know, had to play 15 minutes. Um, I thought Vanover had a good night. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll, since you brought that point up, I, I would say that I was pretty impressed with <clears throat> Vanover's game on Saturday, especially defensively. I know he's going to get absolutely roasted, and I'm bringing you a segue here for his on-ball defense late in the game. But that was entirely not his fault. Would you agree? Uh, 100%. Like, you know, this is, you know, and this is one of the things where, um, like, I understand that Missouri switches a lot, uh, but there have to be situations where, like you, you don't just auto switch, right? Mm -hmm. And that was a situation where you don't auto switch. And, you know, like, I think to Vanover's credit, it looks like he's trying to communicate with, uh, and it was Tamar Bates was the main culprit. Uh, it looks like he was trying to communicate to, uh, to Bates that, you know, a screen was coming, you know, Vanover was in drop coverage. And this is to me, I thought was like the, you know, the bucket that put the game away. Um, you know, like they set the ball screen to get the switch and, uh, and Vanover was in drop and all, all, all Tamar Bates had to do was, you know, it was basically just quickly tag the roller and then get back to, to, uh, to Cooper. Uh, and then we would have had a better defender on Talon Cooper in the waning seconds of the shot clock instead of, you know, Vanover, who's just trying to use his size to, uh, to deter a shot. You know, but he just like 
look, that's not who he is. Mm-hmm. Connor Vanover right. is not a guy you want defending guards on the three point line. Um, right. It's usually not going to go well. <laughs> and to, you realize. Well, he, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just going to say no. to elaborate on your point is that you had sent some screenshots of watching the game and the ball screen was being set quite high on the court. And you can see Connor Vanover yelling out <laughs> that the screen is coming. And yeah. when the ball screen is set so high, and as you mentioned, Vanover's in drop coverage, which at this point was around the free throw line. And we're talking about a screen that's about halfway between the three-point line and midcourt. That there's no reason not to just go under the screen. There, there's no reason to fight over the screen at that point because he's not going to pull up and hit a 30, 30 footer. He's not going to try, I should say. Um, you know, and then well, if, and know, if he if he does, like that's a win for you, right? <laughs> and then you also shared a shot of when it the screen had taken place and he had backed it out and he had Vanover one-on-one in the slot. And Vanover is once again communicating with both guards who are each marking a man to his right and left about re-switching. Yeah. It didn't happen. And Cooper just waited it out. And with probably under five seconds on the clock, predictably smoked him off the dribble. But, you know, it's, we're, we're kind of getting sidetracked on that, but I, I just wanted to point out that aside from that play, Mizzou's rim defense in this game was great. And a big part of that was Connor Vanover. And I think I was looking at the numbers earlier and uh, South Carolina's rim rate was something like 25 to 30% below what they normally shoot as far as attempts at the rim. And there were points in time when Vanover would come in the game and either Mac or another big for South Carolina would get the ball in the paint. They'd look at him and just kick it. It it was just completely shutting down their game. And once he came out, they would attack Jordan Butler, you know, and Butler fouled out with five fouls. They, they knew to go attack him. And that's not a fault of Butler necessarily, but it's just the impact, the hidden impact that Vanover had in helping Mizzou stay in that game defensively. Um, well, it's the difference between like a, yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, say it, he an elite player. No, no, but he did what he was brought here to do defensively in that game. And the one play that people are going to remember is him getting absolutely smoked in a play that, in a defensive coverage that he shouldn't have been in. Right. Uh, and, you know, I was also going to say like, as far as, you know, because Butler fouled out in 13 minutes, um, I thought, you know, uh, other than that's, that's not a good uh, stat line, mm-hmm. obviously, but I thought, you know, I thought he, he played well when he was in, he, he did have some, uh, he did have a couple blocks. Uh, he was affecting shots of the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I, I think it's also like, you know, it's a very clear difference between Vanover who's, you know, what, 23 or 24 at this point, um, you know, and a, and a 19 year old, uh, you know, who, who's still getting stronger and learning his body and all that kind of stuff. So, um, there's, a there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of, you know, and I don't want to like say like, this is like Mizzou fans because, you know, it's, it's always a very vocal minority of people who are, you know, very vocal on Twitter. And, you know, like I don't really read a lot of what's on Twitter, um, you know, but as Rockham nations, uh, you know, kind of supposed to tweet sometimes, like I do kind of check in there and, and like, you know, like the, the amount of people who just, who say things 
And you're like, well, that's like the opposite of, of true <laughs> about this team. Um, like I saw somebody was complaining about uh, Gates taking out Tamar Bates right before the end of four timeout. And I thought it was pretty common knowledge that when you have a good player and they've been playing the entire game, that you sub them out when you have an opportunity with a, with a media timeout coming up because it's going to get them whatever 20, 30 seconds of rest before the media timeout, they're going to get the rest in the media timeout. And so you're basically getting this extended rest period and then you put them back in. And sure enough, like they went to the media timeout and Tamar Bates checked right back in. And it's just mm -hmm. like, I like, isn't, isn't that, is that not common knowledge that this is a good way to use your substitutions? Yeah, I mean, especially when you're talking about a team that has so few players that are able to play right now and Bates just carrying the team on his back for extended periods of time and logging such heavy minute load. You know, it's it's one thing to to maybe not understand it, but college basketball is hard. You know, it, it it's very exhausting. Um, no one wants to hear about players being tired, but fatigue is an issue, you know. And yeah. even if you're not bent over at the at the waist panting, it still affects your play if your legs are starting to get a little jelloey, you know. And the data backs it up. When players are tired, they don't shoot as well, you know. And you have a guy who's a good shooter and a good offensive weapon. Wouldn't you want to get him a little bit of rest for the under the last segment of the game? I would think so, but you know, everyone's entitled to their opinions. That's mine. <laughs> everyone's entitled to their opinion and a uh, Twitter account where you can just say whatever you want. And yeah, you know, like it, it doesn't have to be true. Like it can just can be completely made up. I was actually going to pull it up because I believe, um, so Tamar Bates played 36 minutes, uh, against South Carolina. And I believe he was at 18 or 19 minutes for the, the second half. Um, I stat broadcast is not loading at the minute, so I, I'm not going to be able to look at the, Oh, is this, <clears throat> that is not, yeah, that should be South Carolina, Missouri. Uh, maybe they, they reset it. Usually you can kind of go back and, and still, still pull everything in um, on stat broadcast. I don't know if anybody's aware of that. If you use stat broadcast, there's a little trick. You can actually go into mizzoustats.com and pull up the calendar and pick the game and, and uh, everything is usually still there. Um, not the case for this game though. It it's looks a conspiracy. like, <laughs> uh, well, it, it does. I think what happened though is, um, it looks like South Carolina reset something because this is South Carolina women's women's game. This is thrilling podcast uh, <laughs> stuff right now. <laughs> let me tell you. Um, well, so let's uh, let's turn the page um, and let's look ahead because this this week is either redemption week or really really brutal uh, week. Um, on Wednesday, we're recording this Monday, January 29th. I don't think I've said that yet. Uh, on Wednesday, Missouri welcomes in the Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, Watkins, the, the hogs are a mess. 
And as like, I want to be able to like, I really wish Missouri was better because I want to be able to relish in the fact that, that there are just an absolute mess. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you pulled it up like, you know, Missouri and, and Arkansas are like neck and neck, uh, in, in the, the Ken Palm race. Um, one of those teams, Oh, go ahead. I think the last time I looked, it was uh, over the weekend. One, one of them was one twelve, and one was one thirteen. So back to back. Well, Arkansas is still one twelve. Missouri is still one thirteen. There you go. Um, <clears throat> but they started fourteenth. Right. So they were fourteenth in Ken Palm at the beginning of the year, and they have nearly fallen a hundred spots. Um, I. I'm honestly very surprised. Um, as much as I dislike Eric Musselman, I, you know, it's, a, it's kind of the same thing with like, with like Bill Self where like, I, I don't like the guy at all, but I really respect him as a coach. He's clearly proven, you know, through the years that he can coach. Muss, uh, a little bit of the same thing, not quite at Self's level, uh, quality wise, because I don't know that self has ever had a year go sideways like this. Uh, and this is really like, yeah, like we looked at it, you know, and they're a, they're, they're a team where Musk was kind of going back to what worked for him in the first few years uh, at Arkansas. And he was moving away from kind of that prep model of adding all the five stars. And he's like, I'm just going to go do what I'm, I'm used to doing and we're going to hit the portal. Uh, and it just has not worked at all. Like they're, they are so bad defensively. Like I am, I am shocked at how bad they are defensively. Uh, they did have a good start to the Kentucky game. Um, you know, they, they came out a lot of that was just the cats were missing some shots. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so they're coming off, uh, they, they are one and six in league. They did beat Texas A&M uh, at home in what might have been uh, one of the worst uh, defensive game plan or not game plans, but, you know, play plans. Uh, like, I don't know what A&M was doing on that final play. They basically just let Tremont Mark walk the ball to court and drive it to seven, eight feet and take a little shot. And they made it. Um, but that's their only win. They've been blown out by Auburn. They lost uh, to Georgia by 10. They got blown out by Florida. Uh, they, I mean, they lost to South Carolina at home by 13. They got blown out by Ole Miss. It was close against Kentucky. You know, but this seems like a, like a, a team that could really, really uh, – go downhill in a hard way. And I don't really think you see that with, with Missouri. So. Yeah. What's your the way I see this, I, I see Mizzou as I, I, I can point to the reasons why they're not good and they all make sense in my mind. I cannot do that with Arkansas. They should be better than they are. They're really bad. Um, you know, and they have the talent to be a much better team, but they are not that. And, it makes you wonder if there's some off the court stuff going on. I think there probably, probably is. 
Um, you know, it's it just has all the makings of a team that is not gelling and is not on the same page and is I'm not saying giving up. I, I don't I don't ascribe that to anyone, but they are not clicking on all cylinders. They're clicking on very few cylinders, as a matter of fact. They're much less than the sum of their parts. Well, yeah, I mean, like. They so uh, Missouri fans are obviously very familiar with Trevor Brazil. Uh, he was not at the arena for the Kentucky game. Uh, it doesn't look like he is necessarily uh, participating in the program. Uh, Devo Davis has reportedly stepped away from the, the program, and these are these are you know like you know Davis in particular is a guy who was a fixture or and has been a fixture, uh, you know, for Arkansas now for you know this is his fourth year. Um, you know, like I, I remember that, you know, he, he, when he signed Chandler Lawson, like I didn't really think Chandler Lawson was going to help them a lot. And then, you know, very early in the season, like Lawson was starting and I was like, well, that can't be good for the other guys that he brought in. Um, they have some guys who shoot the ball well, but overall, like, you know, they do struggle to, to make shots, but I think like. Arkansas has never really been under Moss like a really good offensive team. They, you know, they made their their uh, their name by defending, and this team like uh, pull up the Ken Palm profile here, ninety first in 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 defense. Like, I think if uh, if you look at their history. They were 57th his first year, 10th, 11th, 17th, and now 91st. Um, I, like that's. There's just not something right there. It, something's yeah, it's, off. It's, it's it's surprising, you know, because like that is that it, that is the one thing that you can kind of control, right? And mm-hmm. you're not able to control it, so. I don't know if, you know, the Kentucky game and, and not having a couple of the personalities, like, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, D- Davis and Brazil were part of the problem and not having them will like help Arkansas be more cohesive. Um, they definitely look like they're, you know, playing with effort against Kentucky. Um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of like what happens when they come into Mizzou arena. I, I think um, straight up, Missouri needs a win, you know, but, but so does Arkansas. It's a, it, it's a projected uh, win for the Tigers. Um, there's not many of those left on the schedule. Um, the only other one is, is at Vanderbilt. Yeah, it's a, it's a big week for Mizzou, you know, obviously winning these two games isn't going to be the difference between a good season and bad season, but it would do them well to see the, see the win pop up in the column. You know, it's it. it I, I feel as if they're kind of fighting it. You know, we've talked about the late game issues, just getting that positivity going back. And, you know, who knows? I, I don't think they're going to make a strong run at the end of the year. But, uh, you know, you don't get a you don't get a draft pick for finishing last in the league. So you might as well <laughs> win the games that you can. Right. Uh, and it, it certainly looks like they're heading, you know, for a, uh, you know, Wednesday appearance in the SEC tournament. I think we had all kind of hoped that those days would be behind them. Um, you know, 
but I, you know, I, I, and I, I feel like I've kind of said this multiple times, but you know, I, I do wonder um, how much of, you know, maybe this is something uh, that we can get more into the off season. Um, but I wonder like how many, how many fans, college basketball fans uh, are ready for this like new era where the possibility that you have a great coach and you have a really bad season uh, is a lot higher than it used to be. Um, the SEC is loaded with great coaches, mm -hmm. uh, loaded with programs that spend a net, uh, name, image, and likeness. And if you get one or two things wrong, and I think Missouri did this last offseason, um, you know, it, it, and not just a couple things wrong, but then you also have a couple key injuries. Uh, you know, it it's basically takes you from being like, oh, like we could NIT, maybe NCAA tournament to going, you know, two and 16 in a hurry. Um, you know, so I think like it's, it's worth, uh, it's worth some thought. It's worth some discussion. I think probably this off season, I think we're kind of up against it time-wise. Um, do you have any, any thoughts you want to throw out, uh, on that before we get out of here? No, I, I 100% think you're right. You know, I, I had some questions about Mizzou's spring portal last year, as you, as you well know, but you know, when I saw the pieces come together, I looked at it and like, you know, there's, there's a decent possibility this could work. There's a possibility it couldn't work. Um, it aired more towards the latter, and then you start plucking pieces away from that. And that's, that's how we've ended up where we are, where we are now. You know, it's, it's not a mystery. You know, if you had told me before the year, this is how it's going to go. If you showed me who's participated and what they're doing, I would not have been optimistic in the least. You know, this is. Yeah. If I told you <laughs> in September that Missouri was going to start Zeus and Jordan Butler at South Carolina, your like your thoughts were probably like, well, things are not going very well. Well, um, not only that, but if you're if you're starting Tamar Bates, who I I would have never expected to be this good, you know, I saw him as a as a rotation player for sure, but I saw him behind a guy like Caleb Grill or John Tanjay, who were experienced at playing at this level. Um, you know, granted, Mountain West, some may scoff at that, but the Mountain West is a legit league. Um, hey, you know, it's going to be like a five or six bid league this year. I mean, it's better than the ACC in my opinion. Um, but uh, anyway, getting back to the point, um, you know, if you had told me that was the lineup, I would have, <laughs> I would not have known what's going on. And unfortunately that's, we know why that's the case now. So, you know, in the portal era and, and what I'm writing this extended thesis on that's coming in the next couple of weeks. I'm not down on Dennis Gates. You know, there, there's always questions that you're going to have about any new coach and those are fair, but this year, just, you know, if they, if they were to have won 16, 17 games, or if they win 10, it's, it doesn't really change my outlook going forward that much. You know, it's, it is what it is. The fact that they're remaining competitive counts for something you know it doesn't count for wins obviously but um you know it's it's something you watch that if, well, if they're coming out and doing what they can with what they have there's something to be said for that i think it it, it counts for culture like you know and and i think that's one of the things that 
Um, you know, I remember, uh, you know, I think Fran Fraschella uh, was a guy who maybe tweeted something about it, you know, when he visited the Mizzou campus uh, in the off season and just talked about, you know, like the high level culture that, that mm-hmm. you know, Gates and his staff were building. And, um, you know, and that, that is one of those things where, you know, like keeping guys together and engaged when things are going wrong. Uh, because, you know, it's, it's, it's very sort of easy to get down and to just sort of, you know, not really feel like you have a chance. Um, you know, I think that's some of the things that we've sort of seen in from Arkansas this year, like, you know, they get a little down and then it just, you know, it, it becomes an avalanche, um, you know, in Missouri in in large part just hasn't really had that. Uh, yeah, they did take some bumps against, uh, Illinois. I think part of that was Illinois was looking for some revenge. <laughs> um, that's you know, the one but, real game this year I can look at and say that they were not competitive in, you know, yeah. every other game you can look at it and say it wasn't for 40 minutes, but they were competing in this game. Well, even, even like the, the Memphis game, you know, like they, they just really, really struggled to make shots. And I think Memphis's size bothered them in a lot of ways, but I don't think that they were like uncompetitive. Well, they were um, up like 14, 15 points in the first half, as it was. Right. You know, it's, yeah. It's, it's just, <laughs> you know. Sometimes you, you, you brick some shots and that uh, doesn't go all that well. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I have. Uh, I, I, I do want to give you the opportunity to kind of plug your, your verdict pieces because uh, the first one came out uh, last Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, the next part two is coming out this Friday. Uh, we're going to keep publishing uh, every Friday. Um, I think it's four parts. Um, four parts, yeah. Really interesting stuff, uh, diving into like program building and all that kind of stuff. Uh, if, if you're looking for kind of light at the end of the tunnel, um, you know, in a, in a really pretty tough season, uh, I, I think the verdict pieces are good. Anything else you want to say? No, I mean, it's, uh, that, that pretty much covers it. I'm not going to give away the whole, the whole game here, but, uh, <clears throat> it's four parts running each week for the next four weeks, three weeks, I guess. Um, yeah. Looking at how Mizzou is trying to build a program, looking at some historical comps for it. That makes sense. Some problems that could arise in using that system. And then I kind of do a little analysis at the end of what my thoughts are on it taking everything into consideration so yeah i mean it it could read well it could lift your spirits it might not you know it's it's uh what they're what they're doing is kind of a kind of a throwback as we looked at in season or in the first part season one part one you know they're they're going to try and build through their their high school recruiting and that's would have never been considered a crazy theory 10 years ago but now yeah, that's uh, that's somewhat unusual. So yeah, check it out. It's uh, I broke it up. I could have put it into one long, long, long piece, but uh, as the Netflix creators have figured out, no one's going to watch a ten-hour movie. But if you break it into ten one-hour, <laughs> one-hour episodes, oh yeah, I'll watch that all at once. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, uh, good stuff. Yeah, make sure you, you check that out if you haven't already. Go back to Rockmation. Um, believe it's still on the front page um but uh we're going to 
end this. We'll be back. Uh, you know, very clearly it's an important week for Missouri chance to kind of get a couple wins, uh, realistic opportunities for wins. Um, you know, Arkansas is a mess. Vanderbilt is pretty bad. Um, so, uh, did I go two and oh, one and one, oh, and two? What's your thought? I think they have to get at least one. I think they'll get one. Maybe two. They're going to get I, one. I, I think the chances of two are better than zero. Uh, I, yeah, I think I agree with you on that. Um, and they do seem to play better on the road. So I'm hoping they're at the, uh, at least beat Vandy. Please beat Vandy. Um, I, I could see like a really ugly game against Arkansas, not, not going their way, but uh, let's keep it positive. Let's get to an O. Uh, and then we'll be back next week. Um, if you're looking for something to do, you can head on down to uh, 573s.com, 573tees.com uh, slash collection slash rock M. Uh, get your, uh, your t-shirts. Uh, we got, I think, some more stuff coming out with that. Uh, help support Missouri NIL efforts. Um, that's where, where the money's going. Uh, and then we'll be back, or I'll be back, maybe with uh, with this guy, maybe with the, uh, the other Matt, who knows. Um, but we'll be back next week with more Dive Cuts. And until then, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Rock M Radio, a proud partner of Fans First Sports Network. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see more just like it beamed directly into your personal device, just click the subscribe button below uh, and you can find this podcast through the Apple podcast app or for iPhone or the Google podcast app for Android or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. Uh, we are also available on Spotify. Just search for rock M radio. Uh, and if you like other sports fans, first sports network uh, is a podcast network that has uh, coverage of all other teams, major league baseball, uh, MLS, uh, NFL, Whatever you want uh, to listen and, and read about, it is a great, great network full of really fantastic podcasts. So look them up and subscribe uh, to any and all of those podcasts. Uh, Rock M Radio will be back with more episodes coming soon. Thanks. Thanks.